Welcome to the Freedom to Rise podcast, a production of United Way Suncoast. Here's your host, Chief Impact Officer, Emery Ivory. The relationship between law enforcement and the residents it strives to protect and serve continues to be complex. But United Way Suncoast believes law enforcement and community members can build a relationship that leads to positive results. Tonight, we'll speak to a law enforcement leader who shares that vision and talk about a program making a difference in the lives of young teens. And I'll close out this episode with a big takeaway. But first, our special guest. He's a native of Largo, a graduate of the University of South Florida, and a man who has worked for the Clearwater Police Department for nearly 30 years. In 2014, he became Clearwater's 13th police chief, a role he continues to hold today. It is my pleasure to welcome Clearwater Police Chief Daniel Slaughter to the Freedom to Rise podcast. Welcome, Chief. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me tonight, Emery. Appreciate it. It's good Good to to see see you. Good to see you as well. So, Chief, there's a number of topics I want to discuss, but let me start by asking, what first drew you to law enforcement? Well, I, th- I think it changes over time and you just mature as anybody else. I mean, uh, um, to be completely transparent and honest, it was a job that I knew would be different every day. It would be out in the field. I wouldn't be tethered to a desk. I thought there'd become some kind of excitement, some fun. And, uh, you know, I, I care about people. And um, and it, it was more of a role where I felt that I could I could participate in making people's lives better as opposed to just making people richer. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So I really, uh, yeah, I really just uh, kind of migrated to the profession. I mean, you know, I, 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 you, you enjoy the excitement of the job when you're really young. And then as I've matured into different levels and, you know, fallen underneath the, uh, the mentorship of some really great leaders in my career, I've, you know, your value system changes us like I think mm-hmm. anybody does. And, the the focus on the community and the people has been you know more and more important than ever. Couldn't agree with you more. So I know the story, but can you tell the listeners about how a Clearwater police substation in the North Greenwood area became a resource center uh, for United Way Suncoast and an opportunity to serve residents in the North Greenwood community? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this this center has been operating for over 10 years. It predates my service as chief, but uh, uh, it is by far the program that the Clearwater Police Department is the most proud of. It is a partnership that uh, we are very grateful for. You know, there was a time and we were seeing some some significant juvenile crime. We uh, we saw a lot of intellectual capital that was just not being mm-hmm. uh People were not using it to their full potential. You know, it, it, it's not rocket science. The one the single thing that is the biggest preventer of crime is gainful empl- employment and education. Those two things are the single most prevent uh, things things that will prevent crime. So the you know the police chief at the time, Chief Anthony Holloway, you know he he, he joined forces with United Way and with St. Petersburg College, and uh, you know built a program that you know has kind of three legs to it. You know, one is a kind of a mentorship and and uh, tutoring so that kids who need help in school are able to kind of come there after after school and get help with schoolwork. Uh, another component that really focuses on just keeping them on grade level. And then another one that kind of takes them to the next level and introduces them to the college experience. You know, we used to have a, uh, you know, community-based police teams that worked out of a building and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I am so proud now to point to that building now and say it's essentially a, a very uh, complex, effective school 
and resource center for our youth. And I, I think the proof is in the pudding. I, you know, there are kids and young adults that we have seen go on to re- live very productive and successful lives and realize uh, a lot of their potential. Uh, and this program couldn't make me more proud. I remember, you know, when I first became police chief and there was a transition in leadership, I, I think I spoke with you very frankly about just being terrified that the program wouldn't sustain itself. Of course, with your your leadership, it did. But there is no way I would let this program disappear. Yeah, I remember that conversation. And I remember thinking actually the same thing with that transition, hoping that your commitment and passion towards the program and our partnership will continue. And uh, it certainly has. And we certainly appreciate you for that. So, Chief, you know, I, and, you know, as you uh, just spoke a minute ago about Operation Graduate and the work that we do out of the Resource Center, I know you're a big supporter of that program uh, and the collaborative effort involving United Way, Suncoast, and in your department. And, and in fact, I think you have one of uh, our Operation Graduate students working for you. So what is it that you feel when you witness these youth graduating and turning their lives around? I think it's kind of the probably the same joy and happiness that a proud parent sees. You know, Javante Scott, who you, you just referenced, works in our police department. He's still actively going to college, but uh, went through the, the program, received a scholarship and is still, still you know, furthering his education. And I, I see potential for him to be a leader in this police department in whatever role he decides to be. You know, there's there's just name after name I could share. I mean, I mean Sophia McRae, I saw her start out at the the mentorship programs and work up into the college preparatory program and then see her graduate from University of Florida. You know, uh, another, uh, you know, success story or, or very you know, proud moment is a Jasmine Pollock. She, uh, I remember, you know, as they go through the college preparatory program, they have this piece where they're at the end of the program supposed to kind of talk about what they've learned, how they mm-hmm. uh, how they're going to use it to make themselves, uh, you know, work on their future and uh, and even talk about their career aspirations. And and Jasmine Pollock is talking about going and uh, and being a, a radio broadcaster for sports. You know, she was a big mm-hmm. softball fan. And sure enough, uh, we get a video of her of her doing some some radio about NBA basketball. And, you know, you just you see you see them really, um, you know, just experience the things that they enjoy doing, that they love doing. And, and they're, they, they pick a career that, that they're passionate about and it just makes it all worth it. You know, and the, the difference between sometimes in, in some of these neighborhoods between going down a, a, a negative path or or a very productive path is about you know, who steps in front of you. And of course, you know, mm-hmm. you, Emery and Paula Kay, you know, are, are the person who coordinates the program for United Way with us uh, at the station. She's getting people on the right path. And, and the work that United Way is doing is very, very much appreciated. Yeah, thank you. Also, I guess in addition to Operation Graduate, Clearwater Police Department is also actively involved with Clearwater for Youth, which is a, a nonprofit that seeks to build character through sports and the arts. And you actually have officers reading to young kids through an effort with the Early Learning Coalition of Pinellas County. Why do you place so much importance on creating these community connections and partnerships? Yeah, for me, I just uh, I always see the value in education. Number one, you know, they're learning to learn is is the just just going to open so many doors for people. So so when it comes to, like, say, the reading program with the Early Learning Coalition, my wife's a preschool teacher, and and before I was chief, we lived up in Pasco, and we would go out to 
to lunch and she would see these kids, you know, that she had in her class 10 years ago and they would come up, Miss Holly, Miss Holly, Miss Holly. And they just uh, loved that relationship she built with them. And I remember thinking as I became a police chief that, you know, that's the kind of relationship I want the officers to have with, with kids as well. I want them running up and saying, you know, officer Dan, officer Dan, you know, and, uh, having that kind of, uh, you know, friendship where you get to watch them grow up and, and be successful. Of course, you know, the importance of the Early Learning Coalition Partnership also is to, you know, just encourage people to read and to, and to you know, kind of, at an early age, kind of embrace reading as, as a, something fun to do so that, that they can continue to use that to open up the doors. Clearwater for Youth, much like our investment in education, it's, uh, you know, you, we want want people to have kids to have fun too, but the adage is, you know, if you keep them busy during the day, they'll sleep well at night and not get in trouble. And so much in extracurricular activities with Clearwater for Youth, it's it's mostly sports, but there's also arts programs too. The concept is, you know, you're going to learn to work hard. You're going to learn to practice. You're going to learn to either perform or to participate as a team. And all of those things build great partnerships or great uh, character traits that I think help people become very successful. So, so we're, we're, we're big in there. I'm big into focusing on, on investing in education and those opportunities where kids can just learn to, to develop good character and responsibility and, uh, and then sit back and watch what a wonderful job they're going to do in the world. You know, that's great. So you, you have really then set a culture within the police department for your officers uh, to get in more involved in the community and work directly with youth and, and residents, what what have they shared with you about their experience in you know working with kids and youth? Yeah, they're um, you know they have as I kind of used the example earlier, you know, proud parent. They um, they have all of those same kind of feelings that I have. Now I, I don't want to take responsibility for the culture. This is a culture that's been in this organization for many many decades, and this organization built me. Um, so. So I am a product of the organization, not the other way around. But, you know, we we had another student that, that received a, a scholarship this year. And and it, it was a it was a kid who's had a really, really rough life. You know, mom passed away at a young age because of some medical issues. Uh, she had been recently married. But, you know, the stepdad didn't really you know have much of a connection to the kid because it, he they, they, they weren't married very long you know, kind of ended up in a space where he just really didn't have a, a great home and ended up eventually, you know, with a grandmother who did as best as she could, but she was, you know, very old. And 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 uh, an officer took this kid under his wing at a very early age when he was, you know, playing football and education. And he stumbled along the way. But, you know, so not only was I proud of how the officer kind of, you know, kind of mentored the, the child or the young adult, but also that when the kid stumbled, he didn't, we didn't just wash our hands of the kid either. This this person, this this officer, who was a sergeant since retired, but you know he never gave up on the kid. And I, I think that sometimes uh, we got to fight the, the urge as a community, maybe as a mm-hmm. police department too, to just kind of like, oh, that guy got in trouble. Let's wash our hands of him. Those are probably the ones that we probably need to get our hands dirty with and stay connected and, and continue to give them the support. So so I, you know there, there's countless examples. Another officer, Sergeant Michelle Brunosi. Mahoney, Michelle Mahoney, you know, she's taken ownership of a couple of kids that that have had some, again, really difficult lives and helped steer them in, in new directions. And, you know, it's it's just wonderful to see. I mean, I, 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 it's hard to talk about because you don't know how much laundry you want to air with some of these kids because they really have seen some bad, bad times. But, you know, this one child that that Sergeant Mahoney had kind of mentored, she uh, 
know, mother had a severe drug addiction and you see at the age of 15 is trying to raise two kids by herself. You know, that's not a burden that should ever necessarily be on a 15 year old, but, but supporting her while she's trying to do it and helping her take care of herself and kind of better herself and not let her future be, you know, mortgaged for, for the whole thing. I mean, that, that was important to, our, to this officer and uh, couldn't be more proud of him. Several people just really rise up the occasion. We make sure that we have our officers making regular visits at uh, operation graduates so that they have an opportunity to kind of mentor mm-hmm. and some, you know, be the a male role model for some that may need that, that, that may be lacking and also just having fun so that they have a relationship yeah. with the officers that is not just this, you know, enforcement environment all the time. The more we, I, I like to say that, you know, people don't generally trust police departments and I don't think they ever really trust government period. People do trust people. And the more that my officers interact one-on-one with people and develop personal relationships with them, no longer are we just a member of an organization. We're, we're real people that care. And I think that's, that's where I just, you know, see, see the the tremendous value of of staying heavily engaged with the, with the public and the, the youth in our community. That's great. Great. Couldn't agree with you more. So just a switch focus, just a little since the death of uh, George Floyd, uh, the nation and the and the world actually has discussed and dissected so much about the relationship between law enforcement and the community. How much did the community connections that your department has maintained over the years help in dealing with the anger rising out of the wake of uh, Floyd's death? Well, I think uh, the relationships made a made a big difference. I mean, certainly we were able to have a very open and frank conversation with our community leaders. But uh, even though we, you know, we didn't have like protests or any disruption here in Clearwater, we, we participated, attended, and uh, a couple forums and a couple of community events made ourselves available. You know, I, I, the phrase that we shared with, with our community members was, I don't care if you're going to have a meeting with 550, 500, 5,000, we're going to be there if you want to have a conversation about it. Uh, we were able to communicate to you know, our community leaders, some of the things that we had already done that some of these other organizations, for whatever reason, have struggled to do from a training perspective, from, uh, from a variety of different things. So we were able to kind of, you know, educate the public. Listen, I know what we all saw up there we didn't like. It was wrong. But here's what we've already done to try to, you know, prevent or avoid or, or make sure that that doesn't happen here. And so that it was important to have those conversations. But You know, the big takeaway for me through the George Floyd thing was a lack of our ability to really connect with an age group that, you know, we have a little bit of a gap with, which is in that kind of that early 20s, Mm. 20 to 25. You know, the the pastors and some of our community leaders had always been kind of a conduit to our community, but we're finding that there's a segment of the community that doesn't necessarily connect with those leaders kind of have their own, you know, the old Instagram and all the other things that they're using nowadays to communicate that old dogs like me don't understand. And, uh, and so we, we realized that we need to do a better job there. Now, COVID has kept us from like trying to push forward with some new initiatives. Um, so we're really trying to brainstorm now that this pandemic's coming to an end, you know, how do we go all in and making sure that we're reaching all of the age groups in our community and doing more? So uh, there was a lot of good lessons through it for us as a community. We, we looked for opportunity to learn there. We didn't look for an opportunity to say, that's not us. Look at, look at mm-hmm. Minnesota or something. I think that would have been the most irresponsible thing you could do as a police chief. A good opportunity to say, okay, what are we not doing that we could do better? We ended up instituting body cameras. 
it wasn't a uh, expense that the city had planned for, but you know, in the in hindsight, I'm very glad we did. There were some that kind of struggled with kind of accepting that kind of technology and you know having it having it there and not so much because I think they're doing anything wrong because they're just fearful that people will use the video to twist it on and, and mm-hmm. say they did something wrong. So we had to kind of get everybody to kind of a confidence and a comfort level that that we're going to use these videos like an offensive coordinator for a football team and we're going to we're going to use it to uh, to review and to learn lessons and to get better every day. And, uh, you know, that's it was it was an opportunity for us to even look at some policies and make some changes that uh, I think were in there. But we wanted to make them more clear that 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 not only the officers understood what was important, but even the community saw us being very you know deliberate in our wording to make sure that they understood what our expectations were of our employees. So it, it was it was a definitely a tragedy. but to kind of walk around and say that didn't happen here, it's not our problem, would have been irresponsible. So we used it as an opportunity to get a little bit better. And we still got to, we're in a world of constant and, you know, continual improvement. We're not going to, we're not going to stop now. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, those are often very difficult conversations to have, but I'm glad that uh, y'all stepped up to the plate to really, really have those discussions with the community and get their input and feedback. You know, it's it's also important to have law enforcement agencies that reflect the demographic makeup of the communities they serve. And so what kind of success have you had in, in that area? And, you know, have you found it difficult to recruit officers of color, given the heightened sense of mistrust among some some black community members? Yeah, it's it's been a challenge for as long as I can remember, to be honest with you. You know, the, there isn't a, a candidate pool that's you know, that that has a lot of African Americans kind of you know looking to do this job. Unfortunately, you know we're right now we're about eight percent African American. Our community is a little bit over ten and a half percent. So you know we're not we're not too far off the mark, but we're we're definitely low. But we've always struggled with that last you know two three percent to get up there. We've tried a couple initiatives and and been quite honestly unsuccessful. You know we tried to recruit at certain you know, locations where like say, uh, you know, schools or colleges that, you know, had a, a larger African-American body. We tried to work in the community. Even if you remember back, Emory, when we had the, when Operation Graduate first started, we had the AmeriCorps program. We right. always kind of tried to use that AmeriCorps program as kind of a pipeline to mm-hmm. to bring in some, some local kids that, you know, that might want to just kind of, you know, kind of get comfortable with the job and learn it and, and kind of even give them a an advantage because they'd be familiar with the organization. And that helped a little bit. I mean, we have a police aid program now that's designed to do the same thing. We still just struggle to get interest and it's a challenge. Even I, I've seen on the body cameras, sometimes the, the African-American, a portion of the African-American community can be very, very hard on an African-American officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they sometimes take uh, a little more abuse than, than some other people when they're dealing with, you know, with, with certain elements of the, of the population. So it's a stigma that, uh, that, that, you know, you don't want to do this job that I think is, you know, not correct. I mean, I think this is a great opportunity for someone to work in their community and make it a better place. Certainly, I think the benefits are, are very competitive. You know, we, we don't have the answer for this one yet. You know, try to um, encourage, you know, or to even, you know, focus more through the SRO programs and school resource officer programs to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, kind of steer people that may be trying to decide what career they want that let them see that this is a good opportunity, but it's difficult. It's a difficult yeah. recruiting environment. And I hear it from, you know, police chiefs across the whole United States. Clearwater is not unique. It's, it's a challenge, 
But uh, I, I can tell you that if there's anybody listening to this podcast that uh, wants a job in law enforcement, certainly reach out to me. I'll get you connected to our recruiter and we can chart a path to make them uh, a person that can you know, be an instrument of change. Well, thanks. Well, you know, if uh, this podcast can help recruit a couple of offers for you, uh, then it will have been very, very uh, well worth our time. <laughs> so, Chief, you know, one one last question. We, we've talked a lot about the importance of community in the work that you do. And more broadly speaking, it remains critical in the work all law enforcement agencies. And as we close out, let me ask, how hopeful are you about that relationship getting better as we move into what appears to be a new era for law enforcement? Well, yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough to say. I like to try to always be optimistic, but they're, they're, I mean, we've seen America kind of with this very polarized view of things lately. And, and uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's that's okay if we're going to question a lot of stuff and and do it in a civil way. I, I don't necessarily always think that's a bad thing, but I, I'm always optimistic that this profession is going to find a way to to make it better. And you know, if you're a true believer in community policing and really embrace the philosophy of community policing, well, then the community is really going to decide what their police force is doing and what they are involved with and what they prioritize and what they feel is important. And that may be sometimes difficult for an organization like mine. Uh, you know, we, we may have a trouble accepting what that may be. You know, to, for a crazy example, it, the there's been kind of a, a migration towards kind of decriminalizing marijuana or at least desensitized to the need for it to be illegal or enforced. And there's some people in this profession that probably have a hard time dealing with that. But if the community is kind of going down that path and they want, you know, to focus on other priorities, then then uh, that's what community policing is really kind of all about. So I, I, I'm optimistic that I think we'll figure it out. I think the next generation of cops, uh, they're different. They're, they're you know, they, um, they're much more passionate about providing kind of uh, doing you know, social, you know, doing services for supporting, you know, uh, charities and, and doing a lot of volunteer work. They have a propensity to, to serve. I see that in our workforce more so than I probably think it was like that 20 years ago. So I think that's going to be a good thing. You know, I, I think every generation looks at the one coming up and says, you know, oh my gosh, it's it's not it's going to be a problem. But somehow, you know, it gets better. And I, I'm I'm optimistic the next generation will will rise to the occasion and they'll step out and step up and do a great job. But you know, hopefully, I think we have to find a way in America though to to have these discussions, but be civil when we have them. I mean, I don't know where where we got to where it's okay to kind of just be really, you know, angry and mean spirited with some of the discussions. We got to have discussions. We need to have more discussions, but they need to be done in a civil way and a productive way, as opposed to, you know, just fighting for the purpose of fighting. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Well, Chief, look, thank you so much for joining joining us. It's great to see you again uh, in person or at least uh, on Zoom. (laughs) And, you know, I know just from uh, my experience in working with you over the past several years that you really do care about the community. You care about the youth that we serve. And you have demonstrated that time and time again. I just uh, appreciate your passion for the work that you do and and also appreciate our partnership. So once again, thank you. Absolutely. You know how valued it is to me. And United Way has made a tremendous impact in uh, our, our city. 
for those, you know, I've been here for 30 years, as you pointed out, and I've seen a significant improvement in our communities thanks to the work that you're doing, not only at Operation Graduate, but there's many other tentacles you guys are, are contributing to. So thank you so much, Emery, for your leadership and for United Way. Thank you. I'll have my big takeaway uh, right after this special message. United Way Suncoast knows there's no place like a stable home for the holidays. When you text UWS 365 to 41444, you help us support those who are just one unexpected expense from a crisis, regardless of what day that crisis lands on. 365 days a year. Text UWS 365 to 41444 this holiday season. United we rise. United we win. United Way Suncoast Operation Graduate helps high school students in the North Greenwood community embrace the importance of education. Under the guidance of United Way Suncoast Senior Manager Paula Kay, and in collaboration with the Clearwater Police Department, the Pinellas School District, and St. Pete College, the program aids students in a number of ways. It energizes students through an after-school tutoring mentoring focus. The Summer Bridge Program aids with credit recovery for students who have fallen behind, and its college dual enrollment program elevates those who possess higher education goals. But what it does most is provide students with opportunity and a reason to hope. William Faulkner once said, you cannot swim for new horizons until you have the courage to lose sight of the shore. Operation Graduate not only fosters that courage, it helps remove barriers so that these youth can realize their potential. Some of the students have never visited a college campus before they join Operation Graduate. Some may have never seen a fellow family member earn a higher education degree. But in its 10 years, the program has helped students blaze paths to college, technical schools, and successful careers. How do you nurture a belief in yourself and a confidence that allows you to pursue your dreams and life goals? You provide the tools and the opportunity to turn that desire into a reality. For the students who have spent at least two years in Operation Graduate, 100% have graduated from high school on time. And that's hope and opportunity personified. And that's a hope we want to see become contagious. We couldn't be more pleased with those students, the work of our community development team members, and the collaborative nature of Operation Graduate. It's just one more reason we always say, United We Rise, United We Win. Thank you.